Hello, my name is Paul Merrick and this is Property Development Live. With me today, Margaret Ann Merrick. Hello, everyone. And Martin Davis. You've heard Martin Davis's dulcet tones many times before on the Property Development Live podcast. But today, Martin's going to share with us his previous career, his career today in property, and how he got involved with Property Development Live. Hello, Martin. Well, hi, Paul. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about your involvement with Property Development Live, but let's talk a little bit about Martin Davis, the person. Tell us a little bit about your history. Uh, London-born. My my father was, I suppose, what you would call a self-made man, uh, very entrepreneurial. And my mother was a professor of French. Very, very different. I suppose that means when people say, who are you? I said, well, I'm really an entrepreneurial crossword solver. Went to public school in the middle of London and got shunted over to Oxford and did physics for Oxford for three years. And then I stayed on and did a doctorate because I didn't really want to get out into the big wide world. That in itself is quite an interesting experience. But as a result of that, at the age of about 24, I ended up working for IBM for the next 26 years. Ended up being in sales. And what I found about that was selling to large organizations where the relationship was really the key thing. And your job was to find the key people and develop the right relationship so you knew what was going on in their minds. You could actually understand the decision-making processes, where the money was. And your job was to align that with what you were doing. So it was a professional relationship builder. So just to touch back on the Oxford point, so you studied physics at Oxford and then did a doctorate. What skills or lessons did you take from that time into your future career? I think the most important learning point was the ability to teach yourself, to produce your own plans and to deliver to your own timescales. When I started my second three years, very few people were actually working to specific timescales. And I found that I was one of the few people who said, right, in three years' time, I will have written a book. So I think it was actually having the self-discipline to do what you want to do. That's what I learned out of the second lot of three years. So after you left IBM, what did you do then? The first thing I did was I I went into a mild depression because I'd kind of lost my life for 26 years. And it took me um, a little while to get out of that. I spent a couple of years doing sales type consultancy stuff. And then what happened was I fell in with um, a couple of other guys and it was doing this business networking stuff. And what I found was that there was a great desire for people in the same sort of world as I was in, business owners, small businesses, and it was lonely out there and they were looking for support. And I suppose what I remembered was in IBM, I did, while leaving IBM, I didn't miss the company, but I did miss the company. So we set up a a networking organization called NRG, And it was all about trying to find that um, environment to help people in business. So a common thread running through your studies and your career seems to be about information and about 
connections and about networks between people and systems. How did you bring all of that into your property? So I got involved in property. It, this is now getting on for nearly eight years ago. And, and the reason it happened was because my son came and asked me if I wanted to get involved in property with him. And it was very flattering to work with one's son. And that took me back to something that had happened way back when I was in between the two degrees. And my father had been very involved in property quietly, but very successfully. And as I was about to start my th second lot of three years, he said to me, he said, I've just been offered a street in North London and wondered if you wanted to play. And I said, no. And there are a whole load of personal reasons why I said no. But that thing stuck in my head for, so 30 odd years later, when my son said, would you like to come and get involved? I was delighted to do so. We went and found some mentoring uh, from a couple. And as a result of this training, we decided to go into South Wales and buy properties to rent out as HMOs. Over the next three years, we had various experiences. I call it the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, the bad was the very first HMO we got going. We made a poor decision with regard to the tenants went in. There were four young ladies in um, from, on benefits, and that was because of the, the letting agency that we used was only just sort of starting off. And within three months, uh, we had complaints on complaints from the neighbours, and it was a became a police black spot, and it culminated in the. Um, one of the ex-boyfriends of the girls, pouring petrol through the letterbox. We decided this was not a good experience about HMOs in general, not one specifically. The, the ugly one was a renovation that we did, again in South Wales, where it cost us a lot more money, nearly twice as much as we thought, because we found damp and we didn't know what was under the skin of the property. And the good one was we bought a chapel and sold it um, off market and, and doubled our money. And, but the interesting thing is, though we, although it all worked out, it was a classic case of when ignorance is bliss. You know, we made the money, but it could so easily have gone wrong. Lessons learned, quite honestly, the the training was okay as far as it went, but we very quickly got to the point where we knew as much as the trainers. They were only a little bit ahead of us. And the second learning point was if you're going to rely on others, then you need to get some really good partners and develop really strong relationships with them. So... That was quite an interesting and varied introduction to property with the HMO, with the church. Um, it sounds a little like a baptism of fire, but obviously it didn't put you off. So can you tell us how you then later became involved with Paul and Property Development Live? My experience in property up to this point was I was frustrated because I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. I was looking for something more than uh, doing what we'd just been doing and kind of knew that sort of development was kind of where I was heading, but didn't really have the idea 
or the guts to take the step. Met Paul and found a plot up in Scotland and Paul very kindly offered to help me build my skills to develop that and build, build up there. And as we were going through this, I actually said, well, look, you know, why don't you do this for other people? Why don't you, you're talking to me, you're hugely generous of your time to me, so why don't you just do it for others? Because there must be lots of people like me who want to build newbie developers who don't really understand where to start. I suppose that was the genesis of Property Development Live. And I always feel it was. I never feel this was my idea. I always feel it was Martin's idea. And Martin convinced me, cajoled me, that what we should do is we should open this up through the Facebook page, through the YouTube channel, through the podcast to other people. Because what he found is that my 25 years experience in development, which to be frank, I take for granted, was a really valuable resource to other people. And that they wouldn't take it for granted and that they wouldn't see the things as I see as obvious as obvious. So it might be worth talking about some of those things that I see as obvious and that you kind of um, learned by my side that you thought were worth sharing with people who are new to development. Just a few bits and pieces where you kind of had a light bulb moment and went, that's going to make a difference. I suppose the first light bulb moment was that uh, building houses property development is actually all about running a business, a property business. And you have to think about it like that. And you have to plan and just organize yourself in that sort of way. The examples that specifically come to mind was the whole business of putting together a budget. And Paul is very aggressive on budgeting, but Actually, the mindset behind that is you beat the budget. Um, other things like anticipating, anticipating the purchasing of stuff. So you buy when it's a good time to buy the stuff, not when you need the stuff. The amount of focus that Paul has on negotiating. Paul is constantly negotiating and he just lives his life by negotiating well. When it comes to the using plant, I assumed that in my naivety, you hire stuff and that has a certain cost associated with it. What Paul taught me and has taught the others is you, there is another approach. You can buy the stuff at whatever budget you have. If you buy it cheap, you probably have to put more money into maintenance. And then, then at the end, you sell it. And that it's incredible. Time and again, that comes out as saving huge amounts of money. This is sort of five-figure sums, more than £10,000. And, and, and I suppose the other thing is that when you actually find people who are going to be doing the on-site stuff, the trades, then you pay them the going rate. And here's the magic thing. You manage them properly. That means you really need to be able to plan in your own head exactly what what you're going to do, when it when is it going to happen, who's going to do it, how it's going to be done. And then you can actually manage people on site 
to get 100% of the hours they put in being useful. All of which means you have to be there. So being hands-on rather than being hands-off. And how does that work out when it comes down to the money bit? Because although it wasn't the money was not necessarily the first bit, you know, I actually wanted to build a house. I wanted to, you know, achieve having built a house. I wanted to produce as legacy, but you also want to make a buck. And we were kind of aiming at about 800 pounds a square meter. Now, the plot that I found was about £90,000, and the profit that I had in my mind building this all out was another £90,000, so 100% profit. And I could only make that profit if I got it down from, say, £1,200 by getting somebody else to do it and doing it for £800 myself. So what I learned from Paul is if you want to make those returns, those very significant returns, you have to do all these sort of things and others well. So interesting for people probably to break down those numbers, Martin, because I'm sure there's lots and lots of people who will be listening to this and saying £800 per square metre sounds awfully cheap. And and probably some of the people south of the border will be saying, but that's because it's in Scotland. And no, that's achievable across the UK. And just to give a couple of examples of that, my nephew, who built his very first house, had never even done DIY or a refurb or a buy-to-let, but built his very first house a couple of years ago, got down to 706 per square metre. And you've seen that house, Martin, and that's far from low-budget finishes. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it was that house with that was instrumental in me sort of having the con- courage of your conviction that I could do this. And the other thing that will strike people about what you're saying is the 100% return. So let's just break those numbers down just so that it's clear to people. So you're talking about not 100% return on the amount of money that would have went into the full project, but 100% return on your £90,000 that you put in. Correct. So the, the principle was I put in the money to buy the plot and borrowed the money to do the build and... When you take away what you could get from it, less the repaying the money and the interest, you're left with a hundred percent return on the money you put in. So a hundred percent return on your physical investment, not the the cost of the build, because some of the build cost would be um, borrowed money. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Fantastic. So that's really useful. That's kind of bringing us almost up to date. And the reason that we're doing this podcast this week with Martin and asking him about his involvement in Property Development Live is because in the last seven days, although it's been a decision I imagine that's taken a lot longer, but in the last seven days, Martin's relationship with Property Development Live has changed entirely. And it would be really useful if you could share that with people, share what your relationship was, what it is now, and what made that significant change. In order to be able to do this, as I said, you have to spend um, a big chunk of time on site. I live in the um, south of England. I live 400 miles away. And I had it in mind that I'm going to have to spend probably weeks at a time up there. And uh, unfortunately, um, health problems at home 
meant I couldn't do that. And it was a question of putting one's family first and very tough decision, as you can imagine, uh, big decision. I really wanted to do this, but family comes first. And I had to make that decision to let that project go. And I transferred the project to fellow developer John last Friday. And I wish him all the best, but it is like handing over a baby. So that has obviously been a, a big decision for you. And it comes at, at the end of a long period of involvement with Property Development Live. What is your relationship going to be with Property Development Live moving forward? I still want to stay very involved with Property Development Live because although I can't achieve the financial benefits of the project, there is still the other side, which is the learning. And I really want to stay through and and see exactly how the guys move forward, how they develop because I will be learning as much as they will be learning. So can I just summarise that story for people? So you were the first person involved with Property Development Live. In fact, to all extents and purposes, it was your idea. It was your idea to to get a plot, to convince me to come along and, and help you as much as I possibly could with my 25 years' experience to build that plot out and to see it finished to a house. And because of your own personal circumstances and health problems at home with the family, you've been unable to do that? Uh, it was really a big, big, tough decision to stand away from that. I was very involved, emotionally, very committed to this project. So it's very tough to stand down. But I want Property Development Live to continue. I want it to succeed. And I am committed to its success. So having had the experience of the good, the bad and the ugly of property, what would you advise a new property developer to do differently? How can they learn from you? Property development can be hugely profitable, but only if you know what you're doing. Therefore, arm yourself with as much help as you can get. What I think is fantastic is the level of experience that Property Development Live brings forward in all the sort of areas that I've just described. And I would sort of sum it up. If you don't get involved with that sort of level of resource, then you increase the risk of your projects and you increase the chance of not delivering to the profit level that you aspire to. We're going to be very, very sad to lose you on the development of Property Development Live. The the same voice in the room I often think of, Martin, as um, always calm, always considerate, um, always a shoulder to cry on for everyone involved in Property Development Live. So whilst you're not going to be involved physically in the project, I'd still like to think that we're going to hear you on the podcast, see your feedback on the Facebook page and see your face on the YouTube channel. And I'd like to think when things calm down at home and you've taken care of your family's needs, we might even see you back up in Scotland again. Uh, That would be a pleasure on my side and I look forward to it.
Thank you, both of you. Well, it will be a pleasure to welcome you back to Scotland again in the future, Martin. And it will be lovely to keep in contact with you through the Zoom calls on the Property Development Live Facebook page. And as Paul says, to see you on the YouTube channel and to have you involved in future podcasts. Thank you for sharing so much of your experience and your history today. I have learned more about you and I'm sure that the listeners will have done too. And there's lots of lessons for people to take away about budgeting, about negotiating, about transferable skills, about creating a legacy, about changing plans in relation to life events about identifying the best people to work with. So I think there's been lots of very worthwhile advice and people will be able to benefit from what may have been negative experiences for you at the time, but have proven to be worthwhile steps on your path to having a relationship with Property Development Live and to feel much more confident about property development yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you to Paul, as always. And thank you to everyone listening. This has been Property Development Live. We look forward to seeing you here on the podcast again next week. And in the meantime, you can visit our Facebook page, Property Development Live, and the YouTube channel. I've been Margaret and Merrick. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Margaret. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye, folks.